Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, the combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 248 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by this awesome dude right here, Victor Rodriguez. And today, we are going to talk about all sorts of stuff. I mean, we've got some Chael Sonnen news. We have got some Makwana Mirkani news. We have some Conor McGregor news. But first, I got to find out how my bro is doing. You know, I just had some bacon, egg, and cheese tacos. I think I'm going to do all right. I think I'm doing pretty well right now. You know what I had today for breakfast? I'd love to know. Chile relleno. Oh, yeah. I went to my hole in the wall down the street. It's been Mm. the second time in a week. The day we got back, they were open for another 22 minutes, and that's the first place I went (laughs) was to get me my chile relleno. So today... I went and got that. That's what I had for breakfast. Haven't had anything else, but don't really need anything until after oh, we're done man. here today. I had the best one in Los Angeles at uh, Ana Maria's in that marketplace downtown. It's, mm-hmm. oh my God, what an amazing place. It's, it's again, it's another hole in the wall. It's in, you know, like a, in, this was before they did the renovation, if anyone familiar with the area is. But yeah, it's it's beautiful. They stuff it with the cheese. They batter it, fry it. Slap it in a taco. Oh, gorgeous. I still have it on Instagram, I think. Mine had mine was stuffed with picadillo. Mm. And I love picadillo. So that okay. and the the sauce and the cheese and everything. I posted a picture on Twitter. So if you are a fan of Chile Relleno, go to my Twitter and check out the photo. But for right now, we are gonna talk some fights specifically this past Saturday night's main event. We must discuss Kaikara France, Amir Albazi, because I did not give that fight to Albazi. I thought Albazi did a great job neutralizing Kaikara France in two rounds. But I felt that Kai clearly won three of the rounds and I am just not happy with that decision and neither is a large swathe of fans and pundits so I need to know how you saw that fight funny enough I just rewatched it this morning and I I I kind of see where people were thinking that the fight was um you know, more for Albazi heading into the last round. I just don't see the argument for him winning. Dang. I see him having a really smart fight, but once uh, Kai really figured out how to peel him off and how to de- deter his wrestling, I think it was in the third round, they had a nice extended little uh, back and forth, and, you know, he was able to break away. It was like, mm-hmm. 
yeah, that's not really happening. And something else I noted, and I'm glad that the, the, the one and only, once again, Miguel Class, another uh, analyst extraordinaire on Twitter, part of, proudly I can say this, uh, now part of the new BE, uh, you notice that Kai started pumping his jab a lot more. And that's when he was able to start landing that right hand. And that's where he started doing more damage overall. I mean, that was a heartbreaker. I can see why everybody I, – I, I saw all the criticism. I'm like, why is everybody so mad? And I, obviously, you know, I don't watch this stuff live. So when I wake up the next day and I'm actually seeing this, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, mm, yeah, I get it. I see why people were pissed. I mean, I'd be pissed too. What rounds did you give him? Uh, Albazi? Albazi, yeah. Ah, man. I mean – Two and three, right? I think, I mean, I know I gave him the third. I don't know that I'd go so far as to give him the second. Oh, so you because had of the four leg rounds kicks, to one. Because of the leg kicks mostly. Yeah. yeah. And the way that, the way that he didn't look credit to, um, credit to Albazi for doing better, uh, as, as the fight went on, avoiding the leg kicks. But again, it was just the, the, the pump, 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 the feints leading to those shots were inevitably going to keep landing. And that's where he kind of fell off. But other than that, he was doing better defensively with the arsenal of kicks and kind of trying to maintain that that range and not get in too close because that's where where Kai was having that success. But yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Second one, Kai was looking pretty damn good there too. I don't know that I want to give <laughs> I that love one. it. I love it. I love it. I don't it. know. Um, definitively for me, I definitely had one, four, and five for Kai. And here's where the problem lies: is Christopher Lee gave round four to Amir Albazi. That, I'm sorry, that was that was a definitive round for Kai Kara Friends. There's no two ways about it. He won that round. So Chris Lee giving him round four, to, giving it to Amir Albazi, um, that's like the biggest head scratcher of the week. I see, here's the thing. We always had this conversation about whether or not the audience and the live crowd affected judges and to what degree, right? Whether they felt any sort of influence or pressure. And you look at this now at the apex, <laughs> there's no audience there, man. There's nothing going on there, man. Like, what the fuck? It's just sometimes you're just going to have bad judges or you're just going to have judges that see things in a manner that is so different. I, I just, what was that? I don't know how you can account for that. But then again, look, I might not be a trained judge, but I think I have a good idea, a good handle on what the hell is happening right in front of me as it unfolds. I'd like to think so. The co-main event, Alex Caceres looks really, really sharp. Uh, I do have a little issue with him wanting to really fly through those rankings because if we recall Alex Caceres is ranked number 15 and Daniel Pineda was not ranked so it's not like he gets to leapfrog anywhere in the rankings although with the way that the UFC rankings panelists <laughs> frequently turn in head scratchers as far as the way they move move athletes in the rankings it would not surprise me if they somehow decide to move alex up because of a win over an unranked opponent well we still got one of those yes oh you sh i thought they i thought you know all this ai shit i thought they they just gave up and <laughs> and they you know what they they're probably looking into that you oh, know you that, know right? it you know it of they course. have to be but I thought Alex looked great, 
But yes. I need him to put the brakes on a little bit as far as fast tracking, even having Yair Rodriguez's name in his mouth. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> you need to apply the brakes because you had Pineda in a position where you could have finished him a couple of times and you couldn't get the job done. Now, I do think that he looks great, but he looks great against the Daniel Pinedas. I need him to finish the Daniel Pinedas before we tar start talking about fast tracking through those rankings and before we put Yair Rodriguez's name in our mouth. I'm going to let him keep it. Really? You know why? Because this is this is the kind of thing guys and gals got to tell themselves stuff. You know, they got to believe stuff. They got to they got to really, you know, use that focus and that vision in order to advance. If that's what motivates him, if that's what keeps him running, I'm I'm okay with that. Now look, sure he didn't finish Pineda, was it entirely his fault? I mean, look, sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. It is what it is, as Max Holloway says, as I say all the time. So, like, I'm, I'm not really going to hold that against him too badly. He's still in the rankings. Yes, he beat a guy who wasn't ranked. I mean, he had to take the fight, I guess, either that or he didn't get paid. And he made the most of it. He looked good. He showed, again, some more new wrinkles. And he's showing determination to make his way to the top. And he wants it to be against a guy that is um, – that not only he respects, but that has a cool and exciting style and he's inspired and motivated to make it happen. So when you have a guy who has like, look, you just won the fight, you're full of energy and you have that kind of focus and vision. Fine. I'll let him keep the statement. It's, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't think that's, there's anything particularly ridiculous about it unless he goes on some crazy losing streak and says, I can still do it. Like, I, you know, if it was anybody else that was on a more noticeable decline then fine, but you're looking at a guy who's still doing really well and probably, probably at his best now you know like it, that's the weird thing about it this ain't your usual case of a guy being delusional like no this this guy you know can he make it to the top three nope maybe not but can he make it into maybe the top five through seven nope i could give him i, mean, I could give him okay maybe maybe five through seven right but I'm, yeah. i need to see him bust into the top 10 i need to see him fight a ranked person that's where the breakdown here is. and that's right and that's 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 what we have yet to see right and so that's that's where i'm with you i i'm not um i don't think there's anything particularly egregious about this but he does still need to take on someone that's got that's a, a little more uh well placed in that division to be able to you know have that sort of um right and that's, to ask that's, for that. that's why I need him to pump the brakes a little because it's not time for that talk yet. Let's, let's fight ranked opponents first. Now there's two fights. I want to discuss real quick. Jim Miller taking this opponent on two days notice. I mean, who is Jesse Butler? Well, he was 12 and four when he went into this fight. So he didn't have a bad record, but when you look at his record, that's that's where things uh, get get a little hazy because mm -hmm. there are no names on here, uh, no recognizable names. I am looking, looking, looking. Nope, nope, no, and no, and no. So, yes, he went in there definitely with a regionally padded record, and Jim Miller showed him the door really, really fast, as he should. And I loved seeing it, and I loved seeing him get another bonus, and I loved what he had to say after. 
You know, he doesn't have unrealistic expectations. He just wants to keep fighting. And I like the idea of a Matt Brown-Jim Miller fight at 170 because Jim did say that he's willing to fight at 170. He just wants legends, you know? He wants names that have some meaning. And I like that. I think it's great. What do you think? Well, here's the thing. Matt's hunting for that knockout record. And if he manages to do that and, and, and Jim Miller has to be a casualty of it, I'd feel a little sad personally. But, but Jim's got that power too. The game is the game. No, what I'm saying is, look, one of those got to lose. And, yeah. and if, if Matt if Matt ends up sleeping, I'm like, I'm just going to feel real bad about it. But uh, listen, it, it could happen against Brown. It could happen against a few other guys. You know what? Why not? Let it happen. It'll be at 170. Jim doesn't have to cut down to 155. I think it's fine. It's exciting. It's fan service in the best of ways. You got two older guys, so you're not sacrificing anything in terms of ranking or legacy or anything like that. I think it's good. Well, yeah, I thought that was actually rather sensible, but that's that's great. I want it so bad. I want to see that because both of them have real knockout power. And check this out. In Jim's last five fights, he's only lost once and by decision. But everyone else, he finished them. All four of them. Two knock, uh, three knockouts, excuse me, and one guillotine. So, just thought I'd mention that. And the final fight that I wanted to talk about, Karini Silva getting that nasty, nasty knee bar over Ketlin Souza. Here's why I wanted to mention this. It's because it happened fast and it was so sweet, so smooth. Setup was great. Everything was perfect. And she did not get a bonus. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. This is why. This is why if you just give these guys a finish bonus. They'll hunt for the finish more often. No, we got to let them starve, and we got to make sure that they're in the hole with two. When they got back-to-back -back losses, oh, we put them in that third fight. Yeah, they're really going to fight like dogs for it. Like, that shit doesn't work, man. Just stop. No, no, you're not, get, you're not even incentivizing performances like this. You're not even you're not even showing appreciation and uh, actual um, uh, gratitude for this happening. Then, but, but really, what are we doing here, man? Well, she's gonna try even harder to do an even better knee bar next time. Like, she's already pretty fucking good. You didn't have to do that. You, you really could have shown her a little more, a little more shine, a little more respect. But that's that's what they did. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I hate it. All right, so that's going to wrap up our discussion of UFC Fight Night Carl France versus Al Bazi. Right now, we are going to talk about KSW for just a moment because what a great card that was. Okay, there were two really, really big moments in this card, at least for me. And I believe it was Glowaki that got the uh, the knockout from the bottom. I don't I don't remember the guy's name, but yeah, I'm pretty I, that, sure so, it was so I've never seen so I, I remember like when Chris Weidman fought yes. Vitor Belfort, right? You remember that 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 Weidman got in a full mount and Vitor started punching from the bottom like he was standing. And we're all sitting here going, like, what kind of goofy bullshit is this? But here it worked. <laughs> this wasn't punching a guy who was in your guard. This guy was mounted fully on top. I've never seen no shit like that in my life. 
Randy Brown, Randy Brown versus Nico Price. Nico Price hammer fisted him from the bottom and knocked him out. Remember, Randy Brown passed out on top of him. Okay, well, that's it was that's as close. It's not the same thing, but it's as close as you can get to what happened here between Christoph Glowacki and Patrick Tolkowski. I'm sorry. I'm mangling the name. I don't mean to. You know what the cool thing is, though? You butchered all those Polish names, but it's like Polish people are going to hear this and be like, it's okay, Steffi. We understand. (laughs) (laughs) They know. (laughs) They know these names are not the most uh, intuitive for those of us that are outside. They get it. Yes. So uh, the other fight that I wanted to mention was Artur Spielka taking out Marius Pujanowski. And listen, Puds, man, he had that, that fight won. I mean, Artur literally plucked that victory right out of the jaws of defeat because he was on his way to losing. I mean, it could have been stopped in the first round. Marius was literally in full mount almost the entire round raining down punches he had cut him open the round ends he gets saved by the bell comes back in and my goodness 31 seconds in he lands the perfect punch and marius goes down i mean like a sack of bricks too I was yeah. so gutted because I wanted Puds to win. It should be noted, Arthur Spilka was a former boxer, too. So he's got yeah. power. He's got a lot of power there. I, I thought that Pujanowski would, you know, keep him wrapped up a little more. But, yeah, at that... Um... He had to have it, been gassed. I mean, he, he was really, did. really going to town in that first round. Yeah. So. I Yeah. Anyways, I really enjoyed the card. It was action-packed, and they just know how to do production so well. It's beautifully produced. I love that. I mean, outside of Ryzen, who is doing what these guys are doing? Mm -hmm. And and they don't do this for every show, by the way, which is smart, because, you know, they they have... When you are confident enough in the ability and the skill and the talent of the roster that you have, as they well should be, they should be proud of that, a group that they've assembled, and I know they are, but when you have that wealth of talent that maybe might not be that well known outside of parts of Europe, but then you see them on display, you're like, holy shit, these guys are hanging with guys that fight internationally, and it's like, it's great. When you have that, you can afford to hang back for a few events and then have the big blowout sort of anniversary show here, because I guess this is the 20th anniversary of KSW this year, and so um, they rolled it up into this, their second Coliseum event, and I know, I know, I'm kissing their ass a lot. Listen, folks, I'm telling you. This has been one consistent theme with me. This organization has been putting on some shows. They know how to go all out. And even when they keep things low key, they know how to deliver and make show you high level MMA, really good talent, amazing scouting. And they just keep pumping out amazing talent. They just keep finding ways to have fun and make, you know, show what makes this sport so great. So I, I really appreciate that from them. Absolutely. Um, Our standings, because the Jim Miller, Jared Gordon fight was nixed and the last minute thing happened, we killed that fight off of our picks. So it was the only one where we had a pick difference. So we all went two and two. So the standings right now, Victor and Mookie are tied for first place at 44, 32 and one. 
I am no longer a whole entire car behind. I'm only a half a car behind. So I'm behind them by six with 38, 38, and one. So now we are going to move into UFC 289. I have selected four fights on this card. Now, I, I want to point out a few things here. It is not a card that I would go out of my way to pay for, but because I'm old and crotchety and hate messing around with illegal streams and buffering and all that shit, I buy them all. So I will end up buying this because I need to see it, you know. Uh, we do cover things like this, so yeah, I'll buy it. But I won't like it because on this card, there are three ranked fights. For a pay-per-view that is going to cost me 90 fucking dollars, I want more than three ranked fights. Now, there are other ranked people. For instance, <laughs> um, let's let's look at Dan Ige versus Nate Landwehr. Dan, a Dan Ige is ranked, but Nate Landwehr is not. Uh, Nasruddin Imovov versus Chris Curtis is a full-on ranked fight, but somehow, some way... Eric Anders versus Marc-Andre Barriot, which is not ranked in any way, shape, or form, is above them on the card. Which you know is what? Ridiculous. You and know what? No, I, I got to stop you right there. I, I blame you, okay? Mm -hmm. Because how I point the finger, I wag my finger at you. How dare you? How dare you expect? <laughs> how dare you expect to pay this much money and and to have any reasonable expectation of quality. Oh, exactly. I I don't know how you how you have the go how you I wake think? up in the morning, young lady, and say some shit like this. I don't know how you do it. Exactly, mm. but I have to. And then we have one other ranked athlete on the card in Miranda Maverick. Her opponent, Jasmine Jasudovicius, is not ranked. I don't have problems with that if this were a fight night card. But because it's a pay-per-view that I'm going to spend $90 on in addition to my ESPN Plus subscription, which is $9.99 a month. So now I'm looking at $100 for this card. Okay? And I get three yeah. ranked fights. I get three yeah. ranked fights and two additional ranked fighters. Mm -hmm. Not good. Not good. Are Are you going out of your way to see Diana Belbita versus Maria Oliveira? I doubt it. Are you <sighs> going out of your way to watch Blake Builder versus Kyle Nelson? Blake Builder. Oh my god. Oh my god. I, right? Oh my god. I had to catch my my. See, my panties fell off so quick. Oh my god. Blake Builder. Hey man, listen, listen, listen. I'm gonna tell you this. Maria Oliveira who is one of the darlings of social media in Brazil. She's she's become somewhat popular. She's doing some reality thing or whatever. Super charming young lady. And she's fighting the biggest pick-me on Twitter. I know, right? Oh, my goodness. It's like, it's like it's they planned the this. Like, they made this fight for the internet for like the really terminally online people. Blake Builder, he seems like a nice enough guy. But, I mean, there's a reason these are on the prelims. Like, at least it's not on the main card taking up that space. But, Jesus oh, Christ. But let me tell you what is on the main card taking up fucking space <laughs> here we go are you ready for this okay adam fuggett and mike malott okay well yeah i i All think right, my, i suspect i suspect that this has to do with high expectations on malott I, I think this is more of a showcase for for having it but i but having him third from the start I, having mm. him above 
Danny Gay and Nate Landwehr, which is going to be a gangbusters fight. I don't care that Nate Landwehr is not ranked. He does not know how to have a boring fight, and neither does Dan Ige. So that fight's going to be gangbusters. And and it has a ranked fighter in Dan Ige, and Nate Landwehr is just outside the rankings, just barely outside the rankings. I would put this above Mike Malott and Adam Fugget. I would have made Mike Malott and Adam Fugget the featured prelim. But instead, they have a ranked fight in Nasruddin Himovov and Chris Curtis as the featured prelim. Why not let Mike Malott be that featured prelim since they want to showcase him so bad? It doesn't make sense to me the yeah. way that they place these fights. There's fights on here I'm interested in, but the layout is terrible and there's not enough meat to complement the potatoes for me to spend 90 well, $100 if I add in my $9.99 a month fee for ESPN+. Plus. Really mm. not happy with this. But anyways... Let's go ahead and start breaking this thing down. So the first thing we're going to look at is Miranda Maverick versus Jasmine Jasudovicius. Victor, why don't you take the lead here? Ah, uh, yeah. So uh, whew, this is this is a tough one here because Miranda Maverick has a lot of raw talent, and she's capable of. Um, making some pretty smart decisions moment to moment. I don't know how well she'll do against Jasmine's repeated attempts at taking her down and just being able to to dog her into that, right? And the fact that Jasmine mixes up her striking and her wrestling effectively very, very well. Um, I still kind of, you know... I, I'm 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 guessing that Jasmine's probably the favorite for this again. I don't check odds this far out. Um, I just like as as a matter of uh, of solidarity and sympathy, I want to pick Maverick. I think she still has uh, some very serious upside, and I still think this is a very winnable fight for her. Um, and she's going to have to figure out how to crack the code here, how to um, break the two things that Jasmine does really, really well. So I'm actually going to go with the reckless underdog pick and go with Miranda. Awesome. Because I'm also going to go with Miranda. And so is Mookie. That fight that she had with um, Macy Barber, that was a robbery. That was, I mean, I don't throw that, that term around a lot, but I felt like, like Miranda got robbed in that fight. I feel like since she's been in the UFC, her only loss has been to Aaron Blanchfield. I like Miranda a lot. I'm going to take her. And as you said, the raw talent with that girl. And she's strong. My God, she's strong. I'm not saying yeah. Jasmine's not, but I would give the strength edge to Miranda. Yeah, she got that farm strength. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a big difference maker here. <clears throat> so we are all going with Miranda Maverick. Next up, we have, let's see here, Dan Ige. Oof, I love this fight. Dan Ige taking on Nate Landwehr. This is a banger, a banger. But I got to take Dan Ige. Can't help myself. He showed me in his last fight that he is, he is definitely here to stay because Damon Jackson is a great grappler. And I was really worried about Ige. And I remember this really well because you and Mookie both went with Ige despite him being on a three-fight losing streak. And I went with Damon Jackson like a dumbass. 
And guess no. what? Guess what happened? <laughs> Don't be that hard on yourself. Come on. Ige took a lot of shit in there because Damon Jackson <laughs> lit him up a few times. But despite all of that, at the end of the second round, almost a buzzer beater for the second round, he lands the perfect left hook and just stops that man dead in his tracks, melted him. So I look at that and I think that one of those gets through on Nate Landwehr and that's going to be lights out. And that's what I'm looking at. Plus, you got to look at Danny Ige's um, losses. Calvin Cater, Korean Zombie, Josh Emmett, Mosar Evloev. Those are his latest losses. He hasn't right. lost before that since 2018 when Julio Arce got him. Right. Um, I like Danny Ige here. I like Ige too. I mean, there's Nate doesn't fight the same way that, that Damon does. Obviously, um, he certainly can hit pretty hard. But it's, again, now you end up with like how slick is this dude? You know what I mean? Ige finds ways. He creates openings, and he with his striking and with his timing, you know that slickness applies. I think that he's going to be able to do some damage here and um, really not only start hurting him on the feet, but things go to the ground. He should be more than confident in his ability to work off his back and find himself back into an advantageous position, either by springing up or sweeping. And I just think that his, uh, his submission game, his submission threats are more complete. They're more versatile than Nate, which, you know, Nate obviously has more of a, a front headlock style. He seems to have a wrestling base, if I remember correctly. So that's kind of the thing that these guys go for first. And that's good because he's really amazing at that. I just don't see that here. I just don't think that – yeah, I, I, I like the, seeing what I saw out of Ige. Sure, Damon Jackson, um, not on the same level as, say, Korean Zombie or some of the other guys that Ige recently lost to. But that was still an impressive method of winning and, and, and what he displayed, how he was able to pull it off was interesting as well. So um, if he showed those wrinkles, he seems like he's turned a corner or two. I like that. I like that. I'm going to go with uh, going to go with Danny Ige too. I also cannot erase the memory of Herbert Burns getting getting that win over him and Julian Erosa getting that win over him. And both of them by knee. What does mm. Danny Ige do so well in the clinch? Knees. So, yeah, that's that's another little factor that we should look at. Now we get to the best fight on the entire card. Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush. I am going to shock everybody because everybody knows how much I love Dubronx, but I'm not picking him this time. I just want to remind everybody right quick before we get into this. Uh, we did have a recent recording uh, with uh, the, the Bloody Elbow's own returning welterweight champion, Dallas Winston. And we did pick this fight. Be on the lookout for that, folks. It's going to be up on YouTube. It's it's really going to be a lot of fun because he's awesome. Uh, we, we He asked me about this, and I, I went with Charles mostly because of the fact that he has seen the kind of threat that – uh, a wrestler like Darius can present. Of course, I don't think that Benil wrestles the same way that uh, Makachev does. It's a different kind of thing with him. But I think that, you know, if he's if Oliveira is able to mind his P's and Q's with the striking, it, what makes him most dangerous is the fact that he's not worried about you taking him down because he's got that much of a, a an amazing ground game that he's more than welcoming of that. 
right? So that just gives him more confidence on his feet because, hey, what are you going to do? Take me down? <laughs> like, go ahead and try that, motherfucker. It won't go too great for you. So um, I, I kind of feel like that's what it is. But again, I, I kind of think that Dariush has the edge and should win. But I'm still going with the uh, uh, sympathy pick and that of solidarity. I got to go with Oliver on this. Benil has incredibly aggressive submission grappling, just like Charles. So when this hits the ground, which I hope it does, it's going to be insane. And I don't know who would come out on top there because they are both ridiculously talented. They are also both men that have found their hands and with good reason. These are two exceptions to the rule because I hate it when, oh my God, I found my hands. You know, when you get someone like a Damian Maya, for instance, who for a while there was insistent on standing up for some fucking reason. That guy doesn't need to find his hands. But these two, totally worth it because they both have one hitter quitters. Here's where the difference is. Charles has a bigger button on his chin. As a matter of fact, there's multiple buttons. Yeah, It's yeah, very yeah. easy to drop him. It's very easy to hurt him. His recovery has been great, but he's been in the game for a long, long time. And when he lost, what was it? It was an arm triangle choke. Mm-hmm. Are we actually thinking that Dariush couldn't get this done, that he's not strong enough, that he's not talented enough? I am not thinking that at all. This is a pick And I am picking Benil Dariush, as is Mookie. Victor is going to take Oliveira. All right, we get to the main event. Irina Aldana taking on Amanda Nunes. I'll let you lead off. Oh, boy. I, I really think it would be the coolest thing. If friends and teammates, Alexa Grasso and Irene Aldana, won the belts of their respective divisions in the same year in shocking upsets, is it likely? No. Is it possible? Sure. I mean, we've seen weirder shit happen, right? We've seen how unorthodox uh, a lot of their, their game plans have been, and sometimes the roll of the dice pays off. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go with Irene because why not? I, I You don't expect any crazy scientific analysis here. I'm not going with anything of, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you want you want the heady uh, uh, technical aspect shit. Go find somebody else. There's a wealth of people. Not too many. There are a few people way smarter than myself that I would trust for that. And I ain't one of them. I'm going with the pure sentimental pick here. Irene Lana. I had started when when I was coming into the show. I even mentioned it in our our little group chat. And Mookie has a reasoning that Amanda's talking a lot about finishing her career, about retirement, this, mm. that, and the other. Maybe she, her heart's not in it, etc. For me, I was gonna go with Aldana, but you know what? I think I'm gonna go ahead and and pick Nunez because. Looking at Aldana's record, um, her last her last victory was in 2022 in September against Macy Chazon in the third round. Macy Chazon, I, I can't remember how she did in that fight. This this was a forgettable fight for me, so I cannot remember how it happened. But it happened in the third round about oh. midway. 
I'll tell you exactly what happened. Irene was on her back and nailed her with an axe kick to the liver as Macy was standing. Uh, Crumpled her. Got it. Okay. think I might vaguely remember the finish, but I don't remember how the fight itself went. Oh, well, as far as the rest, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to forget. Exactly. But I cannot help but notice that she's lost to Holly Holm and to Rocky Pennington and to Caitlin Chukagian and to Leslie Smith, Tanya Evinger, Larissa Pacheco. I don't think that she's going to get past Amanda Nunes. And one of the reasons why is because Amanda Nunes, she's literally coming down the middle full force like a bulldozer because she can eat a lot of stuff. I don't know if she wants to do that against Irina, but I think she's going to catch Irina or she's just going to do what she did to Pena in the rematch and just punish her for five rounds. Our last pick that we're going to make is a boxing match. It's a big one this weekend. Teofimo Lopez versus Josh Taylor. Now, Victor, I know you don't really keep up with boxing, but uh, I am picking Josh Taylor. Mookie is picking Josh Taylor. Would you like to side with us and go with Josh Taylor? Sure. Yeah, fine. Let's do that. All right. We're going to do that. Now, for those of you that are Substack subscribers, stick around. We have salacious headlines, and it's a good run, too. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey, Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post-fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.